Hello and welcome to the second season of Tea and Therapy, Tea and Therapy 2021. I am Dr. Kimberly M. Martin, a clinical psychologist. I am the host of Tea and Therapy. Tea and Therapy is designed to teach, empower, and advocate while decreasing the stigma associated with mental health and also increasing access to mental health information. Information presented on Tea and Therapy is designed for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you're underneath the care of a licensed psychologist or other mental health professional, please consult with your provider before attempting anything presented in this podcast. In addition to information on mental health and just general well-being, tea and therapy also provides you with little sips of tea. So welcome to the second season. Sit back, relax, sip on your tea, and have a listen. Thank you for listening. This month, I'm joined by Kristen Sward, who is a social worker in Indiana. She is also located at the Peace Counseling Group. She will be joining us today discussing brain spotting. In addition to that, she will also be joining um, with another guest, hopefully, uh, February the 26th for the online version of TM Therapy, and that is noon Eastern Standard Time, where she'll continue that discussion on brain spotting. Brain spotting is a therapeutic technique that is designed for different types of symptoms, different situations. So take a listen. Uh, before you do that, make sure that you grab your cup of tea. And before we do that, grabbing a cup of tea, um, have a few minutes and I will be right back with my tea of the day. So talk to you soon. Okay, so today, this month's tea, I tried Cupid's Cup, which was made by Adagio's Teas. And the ingredients are rose hips, hibiscus, apple sprinkles, natural flavor, rose petals, and strawberry. This tea, the water temperature should be 212 degrees Celsius. Fahrenheit, 100 degrees Celsius, and you should steep it for five to seven minutes. I actually tried this tea before the recording, so I'm um, looking at some of my notes, and I remember when I first smelled the tea, I definitely smelled the strawberries. And what it reminded me of, thinking about childhood, it reminded me of Captain Crunch uh, strawberry cereal, Captain Crunch strawberry cereal, which was good. So it brought about a nice little childhood memory, and that really nice smell of strawberries i'm also smelled a lot of vanilla as well and after uh, steeping the tea the color was a nice red a little bit of maroon color for me um, how i interpret that color and after this after it was steeping i could still smell the vanilla i smelled less of the strawberry but um, my nose picked up on like more of a vanilla smell from that and I, my small taste buds, my amateur tea connoisseur here, uh, I describe the taste as like a clean taste. So it's not, it wasn't dry. And of course it wasn't really sweet for me, but it was just a nice clean, um, like refreshing flavor. So uh, that is this month's tea. And that is, again, is Cupid's Cup. And they do have different blends of this Cupid variation. Uh, this was their Valentine blend for 2021. And it was Cupid's Cup by Adagio Teas. Take care. So this is Dr. Kimberly, as you know, and I'm joined in there right now by with Kristen Swart. And we are going to be talking a little bit about brain spotting. So welcome. How are you today? Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I am well. How are you doing today? Pretty good day. Pretty good day. Yeah. 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 So I'm the type of person that I love for people to introduce themselves. So tell us, tell my audience a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Sure. Uh, Are you looking for like 
clinical background type stuff or just whatever? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'll start with some of that then. Uh, so I'm a licensed social worker, uh, only in Indiana. I am part of a group practice in Carmel. It's called Peace Counseling Group. And I've been there doing part-time for about four years. Our anniversary of when we open the doors is actually Sunday, the February 14th. So it's coming up. We're kind of excited about that because it kind of took off from the get-go. Um, I am married, divorced, and married. I've got three kiddos. So my oldest is from my previous marriage, and she's 12. And then I've got two little ones that are six and four, which the four-year-old will turn five next month, which is crazy. So I am busy at home and busy at work and <laughs> just kind of trying to hang in there like everybody else. So, okay. So you mentioned that you're a social worker and I know yes. that we're going to be discussing brain spotting. So, so if I had to sum up brain spotting in one quote, I would use the quote by David Grand that where we look affects how we feel. Uh, that's a pretty good summary of what it is, but to kind of expand on that a little bit, if you were to come in for a session, you would come in and tell me as much or as little as you would want to about what you want to work on, what you want to process through. And once we have that information, we would find a body spot that correlates with that. Uh, and once we have that body spot, we find an eye, um, a fixed eye position mm -hmm. in the room, whether that's we are using gaze spotting, which is just where, as you're talking, I might point out a couple of spots that you are using to uh, access information and we would hold the gaze on that and just have you process while you're staring at that spot. Uh, another way that we can do that is with a pointer, and there's two ways of doing that. One of them is what we call outside window. And so I will take the pointer and have it go across your field of vision, and I will look for uh, somatic uh, things that are happening. So it might be like eye blinks, it might be an intake of breath, it, um, you know, just anything that's kind of like reflexive. And we can use one of those and hold that and process off of that. The other way is through um, inside window. And so we find an eye position, same thing going across the field of vision, but you are the one that would tell me where that spot might be and we process from that. So we're, we're framing around the client and the other piece of that, that's my part of it is being that witness to be there with you as you're processing through things. And so we're framing everything around the client to support them as they go through this healing process, but their own brain is healing itself. So tell me more about that because, um, you know, part of what I'm focusing on this year for teen therapy is the brain. So yeah. how is the brain involved with the brain spot? Okay. So typical talk therapy is accessing uh, the neocortex, which is the like, uh, it's the part that's right behind your forehead. And it's the, the place where we have those conscious thoughts that we're aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, and what brain spotting does is bypasses that and it gets into the midbrain which is where you know we have all of our emotions and it's part of the regulation of um, how we interact with people and kind of that, uh, whether that amygdala alarm bells need to go off or not. Mm -hmm. And it can even get into the brainstem, you know, where we have all of our fight, flight, and freeze and uh, survival kind of things. And so we're bypassing because we are created from the bottom up. And so mm -hmm. our brainstem is created first and all of the messages that we get from very loving, well-meaning, imperfect people uh, kind of become wired together in there from the bottom up. 
And so brain spotting is attempting to access that so that we can move through it quicker because the lizard brain is like super snappy, right? Uh, to process through things. Or if all we're trying to use is that neocortex, some of the stuff we can't access because thought goes offline, especially if we're talking about something like trauma. Um, and some of those words, I hope you'll you'll clarify, you know, with sure. the presentation. Um, yes, because <laughs> I, I I know some of them, and hopefully you'll have like different brain models as well. Um, yeah. But I do think that that it's very informative, and as I you know, I've also completed brain spotting one and two, and just how so much happens. And as you were speaking before, you said the the lizard brain is like oh, like the reptilian brain that that's yes. there. So yeah, yeah. okay. Yep. With brain spotting, um, is there like a criteria of clients that you would work with, like? What's the ideal or who would this be most effective with, least effective with? Sure. Uh, the piece of it that I would say is that anybody can do brain spotting. It would just depend on how we would frame the session. So it would depend on how we would come um, and, and wrap that frame around the client in the session. Um, the thing that comes to mind for me when you say that is there's what they describe as the window of tolerance. And so we want clients to be within this window of where they can tolerate what they're processing through so that they don't become overwhelmed, so that they aren't basically being re-traumatized um, and, and making sure we have that tight, tight frame for something like that so they can really stay in there and, and focus on that and be able to move through it in a way that's gonna be beneficial for them. And that's something that I've talked about before and I've mentioned with some of my clients that um, they might come in and they're ready to work on trauma. And uh, for me, it's saying, okay, well, let's, what are your coping skills that you have before mm -hmm. we kind of go in and, and uncover? Yeah. So with that, do you have a particular process uh, that will get somebody ready for brain spotting? Yeah, and that really depends on the client and where they're mm -hmm. at. Um, and so I do like to make sure that they have the support and they have those kind of coping skills that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they're gonna continue to process beyond the brain spotting session. Uh, like our brains don't just stop when we stop right. the session, even if it's talk therapy, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so making sure that they know there are things that they can do and things they can use, as well as if they do get stuck in something, making sure they know they can, can call me. Um, mm -hmm. And so, being available for them too. Mm -hmm. And with you, because I know like with different therapies, different um, and even licensures as well, mm -hmm. we all in a way still have like people that maybe we prefer to work with, you know, that sure. we're more skilled to work with. And like, do you have an, like an ideal client? Like if someone's listening to you and they're saying, I wonder if I'd be a good fit for her. Do you have a good fit? Yeah, um, it was funny because I was thinking about that question. I've been trying to narrow that, you know, so mm -hmm. four years ago since I started, and that's like continual uh, mm -hmm. narrowing of that. But one of the words that kind of comes to my mind when I think that is humble. And so somebody that's really mm -hmm. ready and willing to kind of go into that kind of deep work and do that. But uh, that might be somebody that's like uh, an adult child of, I usually say alcoholics, but it could also be uh, dysfunctional families. Um, that's mm -hmm. kind of probably where my passion lies, which comes with all kinds of trauma, right? Uh, the like explicit stuff that happens and the implicit stuff that we aren't consciously aware of, like, oh, that's actually trauma. Um, and the other piece of that that I think of with that is grief and loss and not necessarily in a way of I've lost a loved one, which I will work with uh, and have and do, but more sometimes grieving the loss of what we didn't get growing up 
or maybe what we needed growing up, those kind mm -hmm. of things, that would be a typical ideal client for me. Okay, okay. And when you're talking about brain spotting, and um, I don't use it a great deal in my practice, but I have some, um, I use more of that Lyrian techniques, but I like the concept that you've been speaking of. And a lot of it, I think it's looking and doing that work um, of the past. And I yes. think both with early recollections with that Lyrian and brain spotting, we're using the past, but we're not looking at it to find like fault or blame. It's saying, okay, yes. where was this, you know, maybe miswiring or misinformation yep. that happened. And then we're, both techniques are helping to, uh, to uncover that as well. Yeah. Yes. And um, I know that this month is Black History Month and we're, we've, we've spoken before about your interest in families. And it's looking at that, where might there be some kind of intergenerational trauma? Um, yeah. And I think that it's important to, to look at that family history, right? Yes. To be able to correct that narrative too and correct yep. that, you know, how the brain's wiring and interpreting those different signals. Yeah. Yeah. And the other question that I have for you, so part of tea and therapy as well for this year and just also just kind of why tea and therapy was formed is looking at social justice. So mm -hmm. how does brain spotting address social justice? What's a, is there a social justice component to that or what's the interplay of any? Yeah, which is a really good question. Uh, and so I was thinking about it in terms of what I've seen in the brain spotting community. And I think in every training that I have been in thus far, they have addressed that immediately, uh, you know, especially with things that have been happening like COVID and thinking about it mm -hmm. as existential trauma that we're all experiencing and still experiencing. And we don't know all of the after effects of that. Uh, as well as you know for us here in the us with the protests and all of the the craziness with politics and things like that that we're going on with that they immediately address that um and parts of that are also um being uncertain right that's part of brain spotting is that uncertainty mm -hmm. model and knowing we don't know it all we're not going to know it all mm -hmm. uh, and being aware of that being very aware of that piece of it mm -hmm. and knowing that other people are going to have different experiences than us and so not only addressing it in that way, but there are a lot of different um, Facebook groups for therapists that are brain spotters that will gather together to be informed, as informed mm -hmm. as we can be. Um, you know, there's an adoption group for being adoption informed for if people come into your office with that. There's one for human trafficking, and I'm sure I'm gonna miss mm -hmm. some, but these are the ones that pop in my head. Um, and there's one for neurodiversity so people that, you know, their brains don't function the same way a typical person's brain might. Uh, and, and being as informed as we can be while knowing we don't know it all. And I know that there's also, I think, one thing about brain spotting too, and, and most psychologies, um, but there's also a big international community as well. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's not just here in the U.S. And that, that mm -hmm. was a piece I was thinking too, is that it's global. Mm -hmm. um, and and they are all kind of involved in that stuff and wanting to get this out into the communities and wanting all of the brain spotting pieces to be available because they know not everybody um, has this available to them. So that's important. Right. And that's what, as you were speaking, what I was thinking as well, when you mentioned that, you know, the different Facebook groups for practitioners, those types of things. Um, but it seems like also that there's other information that would be available to individuals who, if they're interested in like maybe learning more about brain spotting, if they work with you, there have been 
different times where I've, you know, performed it with a client and they're like, what was that? What did I just go through? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it's, that I've had the opportunity to say, oh, well, you know, you can look at this link or you can read this book about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that also fits in with, you know, social justice, I think is also is something accessible to, to different yes. individuals. Yes. Looking at like accessibility and cost, because, mm-hmm. you know, tea and therapy came about also because of cost and what people can afford. Like brain spotting, is there, and it sounds like you go by individual basis, but is there like an average of, okay, well, you know, maybe a person's going to be seen for six sessions, you know, like does costs have a a role in, you know, when you're using brain spotting? And then also, you know, is it something that can be utilized in group settings as well? Yeah, yeah, good question. So I can only answer and speak for myself and how mm-hmm. I operate in my sessions. And I offer sliding scale um, for people that can't. And I don't determine for anyone the amount of sessions that they want or that they're mm-hmm. going to use or how often they come in. That totally up to them. And I know mm-hmm. that the the cost can be very much a piece of that. And mm-hmm. so I make sure I keep a portion of my practice as sliding scale because I don't take insurance. Um, and that's kind of my way of giving back to the community in that way. Um, the other piece, remind me of that second piece of the question you were asking, because I had an answer for it. It was groups. <laughs> groups. There yeah, it is. Groups. Okay, okay. It came back. No <laughs> worries. Yeah, I need to find my brain spot to remember. <laughs> uh, and so there are people that are using brain spotting in a group setting, and I think it can be very powerful because groups mm-hmm. are powerful anyway um, because we're all able to kind of experience something and see the struggles we all go through and um, you know it's being able to see our similarities as well as our differences mm-hmm. uh, and so I know there are people that do that I haven't particularly run a group that's used brain okay. spotting in that way but that that is out there okay um, one of the questions that I have and it's somewhat related to social justice as well and then also you know, the emphasis on tea and therapy with decreasing stigma with um, mental health. Mm-hmm. So the question was, you know, how does brain spotting, you know, maybe play a role in that? But then I was also thinking brain spotting, it can be used for other things, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. trauma. So so nope. tell us about the other things that brain spotting can be used for that aren't associated with mental health. Yeah, so we can use it for creativity um, and sports performance or enhancement, which is something I know David Grand kind of more specializes in is some of that piece of it. Like he really enjoys that kind of work. And so you can use it for if you're an actor, if you're a musician or any kind of creative artist in that way, you can use it to deepen your own creativity and and focus. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use it for meditation. A lot of times people might find like a God spot is what the the term that I've heard thrown around. It doesn't have to be God. Um, so, you know, spiritual practices in that way it could be. Um, those are those are the main ones that kind of come to mind because it's very, um, and it's not that trauma won't come up in those either or experiences, right? We're going to move through waves regardless of which kind of end of the spectrum that we're coming through. We're going to move through waves of emotion. Anything else that you want to say about how brain spotting might help to decrease the stigma that's associated with mental health? Yeah, I think it's the piece of it that I like because it's it's completely inclusive, right? There's not anyone that you can't use this with and not needing to know everything, right? Not needing to be the expert that's mm-hmm. in the room uh, can be helpful for that. And we don't have to sit there and diagnose people. Um, 
particular for anything. It's like, okay, if that's what you want to process through, here's what little knowledge I have about maybe a way to go about doing that. Um, and so it comes from a very non-pathologizing place. Okay, similar to, to that, Larry. So yeah, so yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to ask you, are there challenges uh, both on both ends? And I don't know if you've been, you know, been on the other end of the brain spotting as well, but are there challenges that you encounter when you're, you know, engaged in brain spotting? Are, you, are there challenges that you've heard from, from clients? I yeah. Oh, absolutely. There are. Um, and speaking of it, and I can speak from both sides because I, I do brain spotting. I try to do it weekly. Because uh, I want to know very much what it's like to be in the seat mm -hmm. <laughs> of the okay. client, mm -hmm. um, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. and so speaking of it from a therapeutic standpoint, as the therapist, uh, if a client comes in and is like, well, I'm stuck, I don't know where to go from here. Um, those are pieces where it's helpful to have as much um, peer support that you can, because people can co get in that place where they get stuck or if we want to think about it in terms of freeze or people get overwhelmed and they might be like, oh, that's mm -hmm. too much for me. There are things mm -hmm. we can do in brain spotting that lessen that so that they stay mm -hmm. in that window of tolerance. Um, or people might not have expertise in a certain area, but we don't usually pick our clients on who comes in our door, right? right. And we don't know everything even when they do come in. And so it's nice that they have that peer mm -hmm. support where we can process through that and share those experiences. And one of the other things I'm thinking of as a therapist is the attunement piece um, for me in particular sometimes, because mm -hmm. a lot of brain spotting sessions are silence. Yeah. And so you're sitting there and you're trying to be that compassionate witness and be that focused and attuned with them. And sometimes you can uh, start to fall into your own spot. And so making sure you're staying mm -hmm. out of your own stuff uh, and keeping that at bay. And then in terms of being the client, uh, things that pop up are like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. kind of the thing that we're used to of, well, I have to be doing something in order for this to work. And it's like, okay, we'll just notice that and we'll keep going and, and go from there. Because um, people want to perform, right? They get that performance anxiety uh, is kind of how I describe it in uh, having that confidence as a therapist to be like, it's okay, this is mm -hmm. normal, uh, keep going, mm -hmm. uh, keep going with it is important for them. And I know that with therapy, you know, or that part of it is this cooperation and, you mm -hmm. know, like a collaboration. So it sounds like that also with brain spotting, it's almost an opportunity for the, the therapist and the client to be able to be in the space and hold the space with each other. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And that's that frame and you're wanting to frame it for the client in the best way for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's a piece of it too, is checking in and seeing with them. And I do that very often after sessions, we'll ask clients, is there mm -hmm. anything you needed from me that you weren't getting or you would have liked? And, you know, making sure I'm processing that too, because it is very much mm -hmm. part of that therapeutic relationship. Okay. I, I'm a big meditator and I see correlations between that and brain mm -hmm. spotting. What do you see as similarities and differences between brain spotting and meditation? And I guess with that, once you've learned the, the technique of brain spotting or you've gone through it with a therapist, can you do brain spotting on your own? Can you do it for yourself? Yes, uh, you can do self-spotting. Uh, a lot of people do that. I do that sometimes too. Um, and for me, it very much comes up like in meditation or if I'm, um, I'm Christian. So like if I'm praying or you know, doing that kind of thing, 
it very much comes up because it's a part of who I am now because I've done it so many times um, and just letting those emotions kind of flow through me when they need to. Um, differences might be where it's the way I, the best way I can describe it would be like focused mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing mindfulness, they very often bring it back to the breath. Like, okay, you might have that monkey mind and it's starting to wander and go this mm -hmm. direction and that direction and mm -hmm. jumping. And it's like, okay, well, just remember to breathe. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. I mean, I've done that with clients if they're in a brain spotting place, you know, uh, if that feels like the right thing to say to them. But in brain spotting, it's going to be more like, okay, let's be curious about that and keep going, right? See what continues to come up out of that and following that trail or as they describe it, the tail of that comet of the client. Um, with the client being the head and we're just trying to kind of stay with them um, and so it it continues further rather than just like I'm going to breathe and be in this space of breathing mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that I love that stuff like right, right. it's really nice to mm -hmm. be in that calm meditative kind of state um, and mm -hmm. so brain spotting is more about healing healing mm -hmm. the stuff that we've gone through um, and hopefully that answers your question yeah yeah okay. it, it does because I think that um, with that comparison of meditation, meditating and brain spotting, you think the brain spotting that you do have a focus that you have a, you know, mm -hmm. a, the, the healing go and meditation may not necessarily be okay, I'm going to sit down to to heal myself. I mean, right, it happens over a while, but usually for me, yeah. if it's meditating, I'm like, I'm going to sit down to see, you know, what's what's there. And you were speaking, and we just had a little technical difficulty there. So um, there might be a little snag. But I was thinking too, when I went through brain spotting of maybe the similarities with, with psychoanalysis. So I'm thinking about, you know, Sigmund Freud and that sort of free association and just, you know, letting the, the clients do what they want. But I'm also thinking more of that brain spotting is similar to that, but there's more of a connection where you yeah. see these pictures of Sigmund Freud and it's like, he's, you know, behind the person and he's writing his notes and, and maybe less attuned yeah. than what, what brain spotters would be. Yeah, yeah, it's very much that like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen in this session, right? And right. I don't know what's going to come up for this person because we can sit in the session and see the client might just be kind of sitting there and we're not noticing the blinks or the ticks or anything like that. But afterwards, when we're processing, you know, at the end of the session and asking them what was going, you know, what do they want to share or anything like that? It might be like, oh, I was going through all kinds of stuff and all of these things were coming up and it was like body sensations mm -hmm. of this. And we might sit there and see somebody have all kinds of body sensations and they might be like, I wasn't having any thoughts whatsoever. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so yeah. it's very different depending on the client and even depending on what they're processing through. Right. Yeah. And I do like the fact, you know, um, what you said, too, because I. I've said this before in different podcasts that insurance is used for, you know, that diagnosis is used for insurance purpose. And really yeah. it's who is the individual, you know, what's happening in your life outside of this, this cluster of the symptoms. So I think that that's a difference too with psychoanalysis where Freud was like, you know, he knew he was the expert and, right. you know, <laughs> and he, he almost went in with his agenda. Like, this is what's wrong with you. And it, uh -huh. those types of things. Yeah. So, but yeah, but um, so I think that one thing that, you know, um, I encounter sometimes when I'm doing therapy is that people want me to, to speak more or to solve their problems. And, yep. and, you know, I think it's, they need to know that, no, like, you know, there are techniques where it's, it's your time and you're given that space to, to listen and listen to and, and to be heard. Yeah. And, and that your therapist 
is doing something. There's a technique behind that therapeutic silence. Yeah. 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 It's just very different from what people are used to. Uh, even mm -hmm. my own clients that I had before I was doing brain spotting, you know, they would be like, you want to do what? <laughs> trying to explain that to them. And then it's like, the best way you're going to understand what I mean is by going through it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm so grateful for my clients that were willing to kind of come along on that journey with me as I was also figuring stuff out too. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, well, I know we said this would be a little bit of a short technique because you will be joining us um, uh, this month, which is the mm -hmm. February the 27th, I believe. And that is noon Eastern Standard Time. And we'll have more information about that um, and also in the podcast notes. But I wanted to end with, um, so TN therapy. TN therapy stands for teach, empower, and advocate. So I wanted to know what do those words mean to you? And in what way or ways do you teach, empower, and advocate? And it could be personal or particularly apply it to brain spot. Yeah, okay. Well, when I was looking at the question ahead of time when you gave it to me, mm -hmm. I was thinking about, well, I teach my clients, right? And even mm -hmm. if it's a technique like brain spotting and for them to be able to use it for themselves, right? So part of my role that I see is in empowering them because they already have it. Just sometimes it gets hidden and they don't know it's there. And it's empowering mm -hmm. them in order to be able to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the piece that I want because that's what they're gonna take out into the world to influence it, even if it's a small corner of the world, even mm -hmm. if it's uh, you know, global, any of that kind of thing. I want them to be able to to heal because when we do that, we have no idea the influence or the impact that mm -hmm. that may have on future generations even. Okay, cool. Um, any information, maybe of those who can attend at the end of this month, and information on, you know, again, where are you, who are you, where are you located, how can people get in touch with you, and I'll also put that information on the in the podcast notes as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I again, I'm Kristen Swart, and I am at Peace Counseling Group, and that's in Carmel, and our website is Peace Counseling Group. It's all one word. dot com. Uh, and they can kind of reach out on the contact page. They can specifically ask for me if they want. Uh, I'm the only one right now in our practice that does brain spotting, if that's what they're looking for in particular. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any information presented on this podcast is designed for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you are currently working with a psychologist or other mental health professional, please consult your provider before making any changes based on any information presented during this podcast.